and welcome to the Open Government Podcast. I'm Richard Pietro. And I'm Samir Vasa. Each week on the Open Government Podcast, we bring you a conversation with someone that's working in open government in their community. And today is our last episode for season one for the Open Government Podcast. And Samir and I thought it might be interesting to do a review of how we felt the season went, because this is pretty much the first time I've ever done this. Uh, Samir used to do this in the past, but this is somewhat unique in our approach. So, Samir, let me ask you a question real quick here. For sure. When we first got into this, I know I had some expectations of how the podcast would roll. I'm assuming you had some as well. Can you explain and share a little bit what you thought was going to happen and what actually happened? Yeah, I mean, I, I love the idea that you had when you brought it to me as kind of like repurposing the open government tour into a kind of a digital audio way um, so th that it could kind of live on forever. And I think when we came into it, we really thought that this, this could be more of just a kind of people speaking about what they spoke out on the tour. But what I noticed as we were talking to people is that I felt that they had more flexibility, uh, whether that was because of time or just the kind of medium, to kind of explore things that were perhaps not necessarily brought up on the tour and perhaps just to take things a little further. So I really enjoyed having an opportunity to dive in uh, into some depth on some of the conversations that we had. And, and that's so true, too, because during the tour, I mean, the actual events themselves were very dynamic. I mean, a lot of times we had three, four guests. We had, you know, 30, 50, 70 people in the audience. So there was a lot of it was more like a Picasso of a conversation. <laughs> Here yeah. we were a lot more focused. And, and was there anything about any of the guests, any moments that you can recall that that really sort of struck with you, that stuck with you? Oh, there were so many. And I think uh, I think there's in, – in every episode, there were moments where like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Or like, aha, I never thought of it that way. Uh, and so that's one of the things I really enjoyed was was having those moments in, in every episode. But there were a few that stuck out. I think uh, the whole conversation around cryptocurrency and Bitcoin was, was really interesting to me because I had never thought about how that actually is yeah, – ties into the idea of open. And I never really framed the idea of cryptocurrency – uh, as 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 open currency or as a, as a, as an, another kind of open framework to explore. So I thought that was at least one of them. Did you do you have any others that you could think of that was interesting to you? Well, the thing for me, as you said earlier, like this was a rehash of conversations that I had over the course of the summer. But there were little nuggets here and there that that still surprised me. And the number one that comes to mind is from Paul Ferry with City Blocks. Mm. And one of the things that he shared in our interview that I either did not register on the tour or it was the first time I'd heard this is when he created the tool cityblocks.ca, um, I thought it, it, it had a greater purpose. I mean, he, has a, he is a political science professor. He's very highly engaged. But the reason why he put the tool together was to help him teach in university, right? This, was, this had nothing to do with civic engagement. He created his own tool to deliver content to his students. I just thought that was amazing. Yeah, and I, I, like, I love that he was able to use tools that are enabled by the idea of open government to be able to teach his students and then hence have them get re-engaged in the idea of open government. So it's like this, this vicious cycle, but not vicious, this kind of <laughs> this good cycle of kind of like using open tools to teach and having that teaching, you know, give back to the open community. So that was really interesting. One of the other things that I, I really remember, and, you know, there are so many memorable moments, but one of the things that I really remember was when we had Daniel Bourgeois on with us and he talked about 
municipal politics and provincial politics and redefining the role of the politician. And really, I think he used the term community development officer. And that's something that really struck with me because as someone who's worked in with politics and with politicians before, I, I like the idea of reframing the idea of what that what the elected representative is. And I know that's something that you've been thinking about a lot as well, haven't you, Richard? Considerably. <laughs> I mean, uh, people who know me know that I don't put too much uh, effort into creating that relationship between people and politicians. I mean, politicians come and go every four years, it seems like. And uh, I tend to focus more on public servants. But the reason why I wanted to bring Danielle in um, is especially, well, he was introduced to me through the Moncton city champion, a gentleman by the name of Nick Scott. But uh, Danielle helped me understand politicians better right? Especially at the municipal level. And I really appreciate his perspective. Along those lines, I'd like to sort of throw in a note about Brian Bowman. Brian Bowman is the new Winnipeg mayor and he attended the Winnipeg event. Oh, but, nice. Yeah. And, and the thing about Brian though, and I, this is something actually about all Winnipeg uh, delegates. We had quite a few mayoral candidates at the Winnipeg OGT 14 event. But Brian, when you first meet him, he comes off like this salesman kind of guy. He's got like this big giant smile. He's a handsome dude, young dude. He's a lawyer by trade. And he just sort of seems like your prototypical politician who's kissing babies and shaking hands. So I didn't think much of him in the first few moments that I met him. But he stayed until the very end of the event. And at the end of the event, he actually came up to me and showed like a side of humanity that I don't see too often with politicians. And he's like, you know what, Richard, thank you so much for tonight's event. I remember when I first talked about open data to my constituents as part of my platform, I really didn't know how to talk about it. And not many people understood what I was talking about. But thanks to how you place it, the guests that you brought in here, um, I now have such a better understanding about what open gov and open data is all about. And once again, I've never had a moment like that with a politician ever. Wow, that's brilliant. Maybe he's a potential guest for the next season then. <laughs> I, I, which, well, absolutely. I hope to get him. Obviously, he, he got the, the mayorship, so he's, uh, he's, you know, he's got his busy. hands full. <laughs> but uh, I, yeah. I was just shocked that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm starting to come around slowly on politicians. <laughs> well, on a related note, were there any other like, parts of the season that really jumped out at you, kind of that left that kind of lasting impression? Oh, absolutely. And one of them actually comes from Manji Bassi with uh, Citizens Academy. And, and this is going to lead into a little bit of uh, some of the things that I learned. But with Manji, she talked about all the great things that Citizens Academy does, the boot camps that they hold. But one of the things that she mentioned is one of the winners from her boot camps had to deal with toilets and, and better public toilets. And as it so happened, the boot camp was being held the same week as World Toilet Day. And she was talking about how the stars aligned. The tour and civic engagement in general, it seems as though the stars always align and it's always something small that triggers something in someone else. It doesn't have to be this big giant thing in terms of 
I don't know, like changing democracy or something along those lines. It's something as simple as toilets. Or when we had Adam Hader from Halifax talking about the Red Swing project and how it created a national dialogue. A Red Swing created a national dialogue about civic engagement. We had Rob Giggy talking about how pretty much a lot of the things that he's been working on for the last four or five years in open data is because of, of some random blog post that city council read. You know, Jacques Mayu talked about how oh, um, open data speed dating introduced him to a whole new world of civic engagement and how him and I were able to connect. And, and he became the city champion for Ottawa. It's all these tiny little things that seem to line up in civic engagement that I totally find fascinating. And that always seems to be that little connective element. It's these tiny little moments. That, that people take and turn around. I love that idea of the tiny little moments. And, and we've been going through some of the moments that, you know, the, these tiny moments in doing the show that have resonated with us. Could, if you could take all those moments and say, what were some of the big things you learned about uh, while you were doing this show? What, what would those be? Well, the, the thing is, is, is I think I tried to say it at the very beginning of, <laughs> of my rant a moment <laughs> ago, uh, but I didn't do a very good job of eloquently presenting is, Civic engagement is simple. It does not have to be a big thing. It does not have to be climbing Mount Everest. It just take a small walk, work on the things that you're passionate about, and it leads to other things. It's kind of like rolling that snowball down the hill, right? It just sort of picks up steam. Much like, you know, people think that, you know, like the open government tour, three months on the road, 20,000 kilometers, you know, that's a big, big gesture, but it all started with me with, with a challenge to myself. I just wanted to ride across Canada on a motorcycle, and I just sort of, you know, started adding layers. I wish that more people understood that element of civic engagement, that, that it starts with something small and simple, and it just grows from there. But how about yourself, Samir? Is there anything in particular that you learn either about yourself or open gov or open data? Obviously, you mentioned you know cryptocurrencies, but is there anything else about the experience in general with this podcast that uh, you know you didn't know before? Yeah, and I, you know, I, I want to take your idea of civic engagement as simple because I love that idea. And maybe, maybe not just turn it on its head, but kind of warp it a little bit to say civic engagement is also diverse. And one of the things I really mm. learned about, uh, you know, people and this whole this whole community while we're doing this podcast, is that there's so many people doing so many interesting things, and they're all really enthusiastic about sharing those experiences. And more importantly, there's so many people that want to learn. And, you know, this is kind of like my little mid-episode mid thank you to our listeners. Kind of like it's so heartening to see that the people are listening to this. They're finding some value in it. And I'm really glad that, uh, that we, could, we could be part of that kind of community and helping people share these experiences across. So I, I really learned about the diversity of the community that we're working in. Yeah, and it's so true to, like... That, that's the one thing that I've been saying in the last little while is that for the most part, people think uh, there's only three, like the vast majority. I'm talking about the 90% 90 of Canadians who aren't engaged, they, that they think that there's only three ways you can be engaged. And one is to become an activist about an issue. Two is to become part of a political party, either as a volunteer or part of the part like of a card carrying membership or something along those lines. And three is to actually go out and vote. What OpenGov and Open Data does is that it provides a fourth option. And like you said, 
It, it's so many different things. It's not just a political activism of some form. It's toilets. It's red swings. It's so diverse. You, you hit the nail on the head on that one. So we came into this with some goals to share these ideas. Do you think we achieved the, the goal of kind of replicating the OGT? And if we did and if we didn't, where do we slip up and, and, and what next? Well, I think we did. Absolutely. Um, I think personally, my expectations for season one um, were, were met and exceeded. There are some things that we weren't able to do. So, for example, for those of you who don't know, Samir and I had discussed that we would release these on a daily basis and it would be first thing in the morning. The thing is, is that I'm not an early riser. And once the clock turns around 12, 1 o'clock midnight, uh, I'm not one to do too much work on my computer. So the I'm a little disappointed with myself that the episodes be, were released mostly around 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning. But I don't know if that's a bad thing necessarily. No, I think that worked out quite well, actually. I think it was it was a good kind of like a, a lunchtime break or after work kind of uh, something for people to do on their commute. So I think that actually worked out quite well. How about yourself there? Is there anything that, uh, you know... Um, that, that you think we missed out on or, or that you would improve on? I don't, I don't know if we missed anything. What I, what I would love to see more is pro- probably a little depth and maybe, maybe as we discuss what, what our next season looks like, I would love to kind of have more time with people. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, f- yeah. I, feel like, I feel like sometimes we were a little rushed and part of that was because we wanted to make sure that things were bite-sized. Um, but also we wanted to uh, you know, be conscious of everyone's time, whether that's the person speaking or the listener to make sure that we're not wasting their time. So we, we did have a conscious kind of time constraint in there, but I, there, there are points where I'm like, I still want to keep talking, and I, I just, uh, when we couldn't. So that's, that's one of the things that I, I, I'd love to see. Maybe there are other ways around doing that as we go keep doing this stuff. I, and I tend to agree as well. I mean, and obviously we're new as, well, I am for the most part, but for you it's been a while since you've been the host of a podcast. But you know, I give so much credit for interviewers and hosts. Those guys do their homework. They know, like, they put so much time and effort in putting together an interview, whereas we've been winging it a little bit more. And I, I have a much greater appreciation with the process of putting a podcast episode together. And I think... <laughs> definitely. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> so I think maybe if we're a little bit more organized, we can stay a little bit more focused and... and um, and maybe uh, be more efficient with the ep- with the podcast episodes. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Yeah. Well, so we're we're already talking about it. So what what is season two in your head? We have obviously haven't talked about this officially between the two of us. So let's talk about it on air. What does season two look like for you? And uh, what do you what do you what do you like to see? Well, personally, just for me, I, like I said, I, I think I want to be a bit more organized with the structure of the episode. But at the same time. I know I'm a mumbler, so I'm trying to put a lot more thought into enunciating myself. But, um, I mean, we have eight, there was about 80 guests with the open government tour this past summer, summer 2014. Uh, We did 25, right? In season one, yeah. So there's a lot more interesting perspectives. And also, because we were doing a season one, there was, this was the first time that we were doing this, uh, me and Samir, um, that the guests we invited were friendlier, excuse me, were friendlier. Like they were, these were people that we knew, uh, we knew their stories a little bit better. So for season two, we're really going to get more into the weeds a little bit of open government and open data. And I think 
I'm going to learn a lot more as part of season two. And I think because of that, the audience will as well. Nice. Yeah. One of the things I really liked was that dispatch that you did with Lee Rose from CKX. And uh, I think maybe, you know, at some point in season two or in future seasons, we can start exploring opportunities to do new things um, like more dispatches or maybe more debates or something like that. Mm. Just to try try a new format. So keep keep with the interviews, but really looking at what other formats could we be exploring to get people engaged in this. And I, I think maybe maybe we'll use some time next season or even like in the season break to, to kind of to explore and play a little bit as well. Yeah, you know, and you bring up a good point. Like maybe we should send out a survey, right? I mean, we've had about close to six or 700 people listen to episodes of the Open Government Podcast. You know, it's not a huge number, but at the same time, it's a brand new podcast when we're, when we're developing an audience. But, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of feedback from the audience might help us as well in terms of maybe they have an idea as to who we should interview, and, and and sort of go from there. I think feedback is great, and uh, let's uh, let's 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 work it out on Twitter and follow the hashtag uh, OGT Pod, and we'll we'll work something out so you can get some feedback. That would be great. Mm-hmm. So congratulations on the season, Richard. This was uh, I think it was a good first attempt, and thanks for letting me be a part of this. Oh my goodness, I, I see it more <laughs> the other way around. And actually, this is something that I'd like to share with the audience real quick. Like Samir and I have I've really sort of fallen in, into this. And it was never really spoken. Like, it's not as, as though we said, you're going to do this, I'm going to do that, do that explicitly. But we found our own groove as to what our responsibilities were, right? Like, you're, you're, you're an audiophile, you, you know <laughs> how to use GarageBand, you've done this a little bit. So you took, you know, you took the technological lead aspect. Uh, and I took more, like, because I knew the, uh, uh, not the audience, I knew the guests. I started, you know, arranging the, uh, the, the actual interviews themselves. So I just want to share with you that I think we've made a pretty good team on this one. Oh, definitely. And, uh, and I look forward. I look definitely forward to continuing with season two and growing what the podcast is all about. Sounds good to me. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing from our audience and having them kind of grow with us, too, and letting them be be part of part of this process as well. So please, please give us a shout, everyone. <laughs> There you go. Oh, and one more thing. I, I'm one more thing. I'm definitely going to improve for season two, is how I close out these episodes. I, ha, I I've never really nailed anything yet. I, I, I mix it up all the time, and I think every so often I hear Samir's sort of exasperation with me. <laughs> no, it's like, oh my god. No, you know what? It's actually fun, and it keeps it, it keeps it fun and, and dynamic and organic. And I think I think we're it, it shows that we're having a lot of fun doing these too. So. Without a doubt. Definitely. Well, thank you very much, Richard, for uh, this amazing first season. And uh, we'll, be, we'll be back soon in the new year uh, with more. So, As per usual, we want to send a thank you to Keith McDonald and Cheryl's Crush for providing the intro and the outro music for the podcast. And until next time, I'm Richard Pietro. I can be reached on Twitter at Richard Pietro. And I'm Samir Vasta. I'm on Twitter at Vasta. And thanks again, everyone, for listening. Peace out. Hello, Richard. Hello friends, this is Keith coming to you from Toronto, the city that greets you with folded arms. And this is the Open Data Song. You say data, I say data, but it doesn't really matter. Open data, open data, no it doesn't really matter as long as it's free, machine readable. And available. You may say a PDF.
PDF is good enough. They don't like it, well, that's just tough. But that's not open. That data's frozen. Can't boil that ocean. Here's a notion. Make it free, machine-readable, and available. You say data, I say data, but it doesn't really matter. Open data, open data, no it doesn't really matter as long as it's free, machine-readable, and available. Here's where you sing, as long as it's free, Can't hear ya. As long as it's free, machine readable, and available. One more time. As long as it's free, machine readable, and available. Thank you very much.